I was a freshman in college, we had a class that everyone had to take called Interdisciplinary Studies, which everybody just called IDS. Now this class took three years to complete. It was five semesters long, and you had to pass the class to graduate. And everyone hated the class. It was awful, right? The, book, the, class was all, the whole class was based on this book by Francis Schaeffer called How, then, uh, How Should We Then Live? I think I got a slide of that. Yeah, right there. And so it's, you know, subtitled The Rise and Decline of Western Thought and Culture. And it went from the start of the first periods of, of recorded art, like cave drawings, of culture, of philosophy, and history, and it, and it went through the, the current times. And these classes were oppressive. They were time-consuming. They were three credit hours each, but each class took up the time of a five-hour or six-hour class. But we didn't get credit for that. I hated it. Most did. So when you finished the class, you got the certificate saying, Sobek Song has completed three years of IDS and blah, 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 right? And so everybody gets a certificate. Well, my buddy and I, we went out as soon as class was over. We got outside of the, of the class, of the uh, building that class was in, and we both, we both lit, lit them on fire. We were just like, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're done with this dumb class. However... Many of the things taught in that class I still carry with me today. As, as it is, as it is lots of times, I am better for having taken that class even though I did not like it at all. Francis Schaeffer was a brilliant man, and his book was a masterpiece, and is so still, I mean it was written in the 70s, but it was still so relevant still today. His central premise is that when we base society on the Bible, on the infinite personal God who is there and has spoken, this provides an absolute by which we can conduct our lives and by which we can judge society. This leads to what Schaefer calls freedom without chaos. When we base society on humanism, which he defines as a value system rooted in the belief that man is his own measure, that man is autonomous totally and totally independent. When we have a value system rooted in that, all values are relative and we have no way to distinguish right from wrong except for whatever we think is right. Because we disagree on what is best for each group, this leads to fragmentation of thought which led us to the despair and alienation so prevalent in society today. Now that was in the 70s. Does it sound like that is today, right? Everybody does what is right in their own eyes. Everybody's truth is fine. We just live however we want, and that's, you know, the huge phrase right now is, well, that's my truth. Is truth truth, church? Is there a right or a wrong, church? Is there a standard by which we are all to be held, church? The answer is yes, but if there is no belief in Jesus, 
then there is no standard for which we are to base right or wrong on. Does that make sense? As we listen to today's scripture, let's consider what we know about our society and culture. Let's consider as children of God, whom have total freedom, how we how should we then live out that freedom? Galatians 5, 13-21. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring each other, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The question becomes for all of us, Not how can we live, because honestly, we are free to do what we want. We are free. Does there come a time when you so abuse your freedom that you are no longer in Jesus anymore? I think so. However, that is between you and God, or them and God. The question the rest of us need to answer is not, How can we then live? But instead, how should we then live? I think that is what Paul has been trying to communicate in the whole book of Galatians. Paul has been arguing, urging all of us, both then then and now, to live as those that are now called to be different. I know I've talked about it, but there is a show that I think is amazing. It's called The Chosen. All right? I, I, I know that I, I keep talking about it, but it is amazing. And they just got done with the second season. So, my, and you can watch them all for free. Now might be a good time to jump in and catch up. All right? But let me show you this clip of The Chosen. What are you going to do with a mind like yours?
Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Get used to different. Get used to different. Folks, Jesus is calling every one of us to get used to different. To live differently. So the question this morning is, how should we then live? Well, there's three ways that God has called us to live in light of Jesus. One, as people called to freedom. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use Freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. How then should we then live? How should we then live? As free people. People that are free of the law, the traditions, the rules. People free of sin. People that are used to different. People free of shame. People free of guilt. People that free are free to live differently than the rest of the world. Have you ever noticed that most people in this world seem to be slaves? Slaves to culture. Slaves to media. Slaves to political correctness. Slaves to a political party. Slaves to the news media. There's a Monty Python movie. I don't know if you like Monty Python at all. But it's one of my favorite scenes in all of their movies. And there's a guy speaking to the crowd, and he's like, you are all individuals. And the crowd yells, we are all individuals. And he says, 
you are all different. And he says, the crowd yells, we are all different. And then one guy goes, I'm not. That, folks, is what the society we live in now is like. Everybody has to pledge allegiance to something, but do you ever notice everybody who, however, whatever side you're on or whatever issue you're on, everybody says the exact same thing? So you have people, there's, there's millions of people that feel this side of an issue and they all say the exact same thing. Or the other side, there's millions of people that feel the other way about an issue and you know what they all say? The exact same thing. There's no different. They're not individuals. There's no freedom in that. Whatever it is, whatever the, the talking points of a side are, that's what we're going to talk about. And there is no more individual thought. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or whatever. It's the same. It's the same. We are being called to be a people that are free to express their faith differently. God has gifted all of us differently and uniquely, so why should we express our faith all in the same way? His plan for our freedom is not to use freedom to satisfy our sinful nature, but instead to do what the law has been telling us to do. But it had gotten so far off course that it became unrecognizable. The whole point of the law was to love your neighbor as yourself. However, the law had become a crushing, oppressive force. And so, Paul tells us to use our newfound freedom to do what the law was failing to do. To not worry about dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but instead to go ahead and use your freedom to serve one another in love. All right, all right. So tell me how to do that, preacher. (laughs) I can't. That's the whole point. I can't tell you how to do that. I might give you some ideas, but I cannot tell you what that looks like for you. Why? Because of 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Does that sound like I can tell you how to serve when you've been given a unique individual gift? No. We don't have to serve each other in the same way. I'm pretty good at listening. I'm pretty good at being being hospitable. But for others of you, you're a gifted organization, or some are at making things with your hands, or some like the Humiston family, like we heard last week. You know, they're great at thinking about what things need to happen and to make peace happen in tough situations. I don't know what God has gifted you all with, but God does, because He gave them to you. So figure what those gifts are, and then freely serve each other in love, in love. That last part is so crucial because if it's not done in love, just don't bother. Seriously. Look at verse 15. If you are always biting and devouring each other, well, watch out. You can destroy each other. You can destroy your witness. You can destroy what someone who doesn't know Jesus yet or someone that is new in their faith. 
you can destroy what they think about Jesus. You can destroy what they think about the church. You can, think, you can destroy it all. You can crush someone's soul in love. Number two, how are we to live? We are to live as people at war. Look at verse 16 and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't, do, won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I do not see a more truthful statement about the world today than that one. Look at our culture. Look at the church. Look at our politics. Friends, that is not the way. It's not. Wait, wait, but you just said that we are to live as people at war? We most definitely are at war, but we end up fighting the wrong people. Listen to Ephesians 6.12. You guys know this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Church, God has created us for battle. He has created us for war. But in our inability to listen to what God has for us, what He wants from us, we direct all of that at the wrong things, at the wrong people. And inevitably, we use the wrong weapons. Listen, our enemy is not each other. It's not. Our enemies are not those that have a a large R or a large D next to their name. Hear this, our enemies are not even ISIS or Al-Qaeda or whatever awful, terrible force will come along next. No, our enemy, as it has been from Genesis chapter 3, are the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. All of us that call ourselves children of God People of the way, we are to be warring, to be fighting, to be battling. But what does that look like? We battle on our knees. We battle on our knees with our heads bowed and our hands folded in prayer and worship to God. On our knees before the Father. And we pray that Jesus would come soon, that God would make things here on earth as it is in heaven, that God would save us, save our friends, save our families, save our enemies from the destruction of the evil spiritual forces of this world, from Satan himself. God is mighty to save. He is. God wants to deliver us from the realm of destruction, from the kingdom of darkness, from an eternity of not having a future or a hope. Instead, He wants us to experience light, His light. Restoration that only can come from a life given fully to Him. And an eternity that has a future and a hope. That's what God wants for us. 
we need to war in the right way. We need to hit our knees and intercede for those around us, for those in this world that desperately need Jesus. How should we then live? That's the question. As people called to freedom, as people at war with the proper enemy. And thirdly, as people fighting sin. 19 through 21, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul then reminds the Galatians that to pick up your cross and follow Jesus, as Jesus told us to in Matthew 16, is to be a people that are seeking to eradicate sin from our lives. To not live in the many snares and traps that are not of God. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, and the list goes on and on and on. They are not the ways of God. They are not what Jesus has called us to. Denying ourselves and taking up our crosses, those point to living a life differently. To living life a different way. A more narrow way. And yet, ultimately, a better way. We are not simply to give our life to Jesus and then live the same way that everyone else does. Say the same things that everyone else does. What would be the point? We are to be different. Get used to different. We are to not merely fold in the presence of temptation and sin like a deck of cards. We are to fight back, to use the tools that God has given us to listen and to receive help from the Spirit. N.T. Wright says this, The point Paul is making is that if they, the Galatians, emphasize the flesh by getting circumcised, they are putting themselves on a level with a pagan world all around them. What's the alternative? The alternative is to follow the power, allow the power of God's Spirit to direct your life. If you want to fulfill the law supremely through obeying the central command of love, this can only happen by the Spirit. As so often in Paul, flesh and spirit are opposed to one another. This isn't a matter of the material world against the non-material. Many of the works of flesh could be practiced by a wicked, disembodied spirit. It is rather a matter of where your true identity lies, where your deepest motivation comes from, and where the power that rules your life is really from. So what is Christian freedom? It doesn't mean that now you can believe you can do whatever you like. Paul is clear about that. Life is a battlefield with flesh and spirit opposing one another, and you can never be caught totally off guard. What matters, though, is that your identity is that of a true child of God, indwelt by the Spirit, 
If you're free of that, the Spirit's motivation and power mean you will also remain free from the snares of paganism and the behavior that goes with it. Free from the law, free from paganism. One is free, then free for God, and free to love one's neighbor. And one is free to be led by the Spirit into a new way of life. We get to be individuals. We get to think for ourselves. We get to be different. We get the Holy Spirit working in our lives, guiding us, leading us, helping us. We get to be different than the rest of the world. And folks, isn't that a great thought? Because this world makes me tired. This world makes me weary. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is calling each and every one of us. And he is calling us to get used to different. To be different. 